You're listening to The Reality Show, hosted by Dan Rutstein, president of immersive tech company, Laduma. Each episode delves deep into the power and potential of immersive technology in business, entertainment, or sport, now and in the future. So welcome back to The Reality Show. And I'm particularly excited this week. No offence to my previous guests, but my favourite place in the world is Las Vegas. And I'm in Las Vegas recording this podcast. And I'm with Matthew Kanegi from Caesars Entertainment. Now, welcome, Matthew. Thank you. Hello. So my friends uh, who've known me for a long time know I spend a lot of time in Las Vegas. Um, and I spend a lot of time in gaming. Um, and I've... I feel like I've partially paid for some of the amazing structures that they have around Vegas with my <laughs> losses over the years. But this isn't about how much money I lose. This is about the future of casinos and how immersive tech is changing how people spend their time in these places. And uh, we've just had an extraordinary tour of the innovations that you're running at the link. And I'd like to talk to you about some of those. So, Matthew, let's start. So, you've just given me this amazing tour. Tell me the, the principle about what it is that you try to do. Sure. So, I think it's about reinventing gaming, in a sense. Um, when you think about Las Vegas, Las Vegas reinvents itself all the time. It's reinvented itself for decades. It's gone from primarily a, a casino house to then it became um, very well known for conventions. And then it became very well known for non-gambling things like nightclubs and day clubs and great restaurants and shopping and things like that. But the gaming floor itself really hasn't been reinvented for decades. And we recognized that at Caesars about four years ago and, and put a plan into motion on, you know, how do we reinvent the gaming floor? And what you saw at the link was a reinvention of the gaming floor in that no matter how you consume gaming today, whether it's table games or slots that's traditional, but also... VR or AR or interactive bars or beer pong or arcade games, whatever it happens to be, it's all in the casino now. So when you come here with your friends, you guys can all have a great experience in the same space, but do something totally different. So let's start at the beginning because, you know, like so many people, I've been coming to Vegas for a long time and I sort of lose my money in the same way in front of the same sort of machines or games as people have for a long time. So the innovation on the casino floor is relatively limited. The lights are a bit flashier, but broadly it's been quite moving quite slowly. So how does one of the world's largest casino groups decide to do something like this when they're still making plenty of money in a traditional sense? How does this all start? Sure, it's, well, it's very forward thinking uh, to, be, to begin with. I think the important thing is, one, you have to have a senior management team that believes in innovation and that uh, sees the need to innovate. I think you know we all looked at this space and said, you know, all you have to do is look at the data. People aren't consuming gambling at the same rate. They're not playing at the same rate. They're choosing to spend their wallet in a majority of ways. And um, we wanted to address that and, and get ahead of it. Uh, ironically enough, when we started this project, we were thinking about casino of the future, and it really became more about the casino for how you know, today's consumers consume content, they share experiences, they like to game. And um, yeah, it was a big step. It was 45,000 square feet at the link that we decided to do this new innovative casino space, experiential space. Um, and, and look, we, we look at it as there's lots of ways to monetize in the casino environment, right? Whether you wanna pay for food and beverages 
or you want to gamble or you want to just play for fun and you know your time is a trade-off for a great experience you know we're okay with that and the industry has become okay with that have you seen las vegas again like gambling has become secondary to non-gambling experiences so we're just following the trends of what our customers are telling us they want the project is you've got you've been kindly given 45,000 square foot of real estate in arguably one of the busiest and most exciting cities in the world. I'm not quite sure how much latitude they gave you. They brought it like, go ahead and innovate. How, does, how do you start that process? That was really difficult because there was no blueprint to follow. Right? Um, so we looked outside the industry a lot. You know, I went to South by Southwest and I went to IOPA and I you know, uh, spoke with people in Hollywood and Silicon Valley and theme parks. And we looked at arenas and stadiums. We looked everywhere that people were consuming entertainment. And uh, we looked at what the trends were and we took a lot of those technologies that we saw and we figured out a way to implement those to the unique business challenges of the casino environment. And, um, you know, the good news is obviously there's not a lot to compare it to in the casino environment, right? So that we knew if we were to take a, a big step forward, um, based upon what customers were telling us, we knew we were heading in the right direction. So the South Spy side of it, the CES side of it, I mean, you know, myself, a lot of listeners to this will have been to those multiple times to see the tech. When you went to see people in Hollywood and said, you know, hi, am I from a casino? I'm looking at what I can do differently. What sort of reaction did they get and how keen were they to share? So they were actually very excited to share. Uh, there's, there's some groups in Hollywood that uh, speak exclusively about technology, right? About how are, how are films using VR? How are they using advanced imaging? How are they using sound? Um, and how are people consuming content? And um, a lot of those lessons are applicable for, for our business today. Um, you know, casinos, if you think about them, they're a significant generator of content, right? We're generating millions of experiences every day. We're generating content through slot machines, through table games. If you look at the link, we're generating content through 5,000 square feet of high resolution LED screens that you can interact with. So learning from Hollywood, I think was important in us understanding how people want to absorb content, create memories, create experiences, and how to share those with other people. So I want, I want to talk, there's VR in this space, there's AR in this space, but I think the thing that impressed me the most, and Again, regular listeners to this will know that a theme we often come back to on this is storytelling through immersion in the broadest sense. The thing that I think impressed me the most was that sense of immersion, both consciously and maybe subconsciously, in terms of how you've used the lighting, the AV. Just talk a little bit about what you were trying to achieve and some of the ways you're trying to do that. So some of that was us telling a story that we wanted you to feel like you were on stage, or you're at an attraction versus just on a regular casino floor. Um, you know, some of that, I'm going to age myself a little bit, but, it, but back to my childhood, the choose your own adventure books where I could decide where the book went next. I really wanted you to be able to do that in the casino space. So this is your memory to create your experience to create. So our job in that is to enable, right? So I created, uh, with our AV integrators, what, what I think is a fantastic system. There's over 5,000 square feet of led in the space, hundreds of TVs, multiple sound zones that the casino management team can control at the touch of a button. So if, if we want to change the environment, if we want to change the mood in the casino, we can do that on the fly. In fact, our LED screens, our artwork that was created by an artist in Los Angeles named Rafik Anadol, he created uh, data-driven artwork. So when you come in the entrances to the casino, 
you're interrupting the artwork because it's tracking your motion. It's looking at, it has infrared sensors in the entrances and you're disrupting the art and creating new art yourself. When you're in the casino, all of the LEDs... So that's live rendered. It's live rendered. There's no videos. It's, it's rendering live. When you get inside the casino, all of the LED in the ceilings and on the walls and in the tunnels, um, they're all uh, rendering based upon audio. So the closest audio source, whether it's a song or whether it's um, a game that's on, it's actually disrupting the artwork. So as the day gets busier in the casino, the artwork gets busier. And as the day calms down in the morning times, the casino, the artwork calms down as well. So it's creating an environment, but the environment is very much reacting to the folks in the environment. Fantastic. This is a modern take on just the old Vegas myths of pumping oxygen and so on. <laughs> Fantastic. And, and you could see that because, you know, it is, uh, so we were, it's a Monday afternoon when we were walking through and obviously Vegas is the sort of place where you'll find people at all sorts of hours doing all sorts of things. But it was it was relatively busy there, but you could see the screens reacting. So if you, I'm not sure what the quietest time is. I imagine it's six o'clock in the morning. Usually, depends. Depends, <laughs> yeah. indeed. Uh, it would all feel calmer and the walls would stop moving around, as it were. Yeah, that's right. So uh, there's a couple of different chapters of artwork in that space, but uh, you'll really notice that you, you saw it this afternoon with the liquid particles. So... There are more liquid particles that appear on the screen and they move faster and faster the more motion or audio that's in the casino and when it's very calm and slow in the casino there's very few particles that interrupt that and it's more of a peaceful plane so it's it's pretty unique stuff and the artist is just second to none rafiq is is you know probably the most um you know influential artist in the space of converting data into real-time graphics yeah now so actually i suppose if I was to stay up past midnight, which of course I would never do in Las Vegas, and I was in there, presumably the environment would react to the behavior of and the number of people there that reflects that time. That's right. You'd see, you'd see more frequent color changes. You would see um, more color impulses faster. You would see the artwork moving faster. Uh, yeah, that's right. Extraordinary. Now, so let's talk about a couple of the, sort of the features where you've used immersive tech. So... Let's start, let's start with VR. So tell me about some of the VR you've got there. So the VR experience is in partnership with a company named, uh, called Servios uh, out of Los Angeles. They're a game developer. They've launched an arcade in Torrance, California. It's, it's fantastic stuff. It's, there's six bays inside the link. Uh, you can pay for your time in those bays. You can play against the computer. You can play with your friends. You can play against your friends or others. We could run tournaments in that space. Uh, but when you go in the headset, you go into a lobby and there's uh, multiple games that you can play. There's six in there right now. So you can pay to play, play them for as long as you want. Uh, one of the most exciting games that are in there right now is, is Creed, uh, which is based upon the movie. And you can go in there and box against the computer or box against your friends in Madison Square Garden. It's fantastic. What's the, what's the take-up been like in terms of... So pay-to-play for VR is turning into a whole thing in shopping centers everywhere. But in Vegas, there's lots of things you can spend your money on. Are people spending their money on VR? Yeah, absolutely. I think the space in general is, has done well. It's done fantastic. I think when you get into VR and some of the new applications, holograms and things in the space, you're very much with the innovation adaptation curve, right? So um, there's very few people that are willing to just jump in and try that. So what we try to do is we make the games very easy. We either build the games in their sense of a hologram game. Um, you know, we built that off of games you're very familiar with. Tic-tac-toe, paper, rock, scissors, you know how to play those games. So we eliminated the friction of learning the game. 
it's more adapting to the hologram. But what we found is that, you know, marketing to the right person at the right time that's willing to try new experiences or even allowing people to demo and play for free a little bit so they can figure this out and experience it and not be afraid of it um, really makes all the difference in the world. You know, when we were over there in VR, you know, had you and I started boxing, we would have generated a crowd around us easily. Um, and we would have had people adapt and start to play. So it's really about eliminating the friction and allowing people to see other people playing it. And they know, look, that's achievable. It's fine. I can play that too. Yeah. See, uh, for our listeners, if you had a picture of us, you'd see that we'd both actually look like, I think we'd both be heavyweights, but I think we could have quite a boxing match. Um, so, um, so the hologram game, let's, let's talk about that. It's quite interesting. So our listeners will remember episode one, Ashley from Ventana, they do holograms. No one had done a hologram game in a casino before. Tell me how that story played out. Yeah, so again, we thought holograms are great technology. We didn't quite know how to use them in the casino environment. So you've seen them in shows, you've seen them on stage, but we really wanted guests to be able to interact with a hologram up close and personal. And we thought it was important to have it real and life-size to where it was really a feature in the casino itself. So we landed on a hologram game playing system. So in theory, in premise, it's really like an 80s and 90s arcade game. You put your money in, uh, you choose your experience, what game you want to play against the hologram, and you play a two-minute experience. It costs $5 US, uh, and you get a photo from your, from your game that you can share on social media. So uh, it's something unlike you've ever tried before. It's literally, you know, you put your hands over a sensor, and it's tracking your hand motion and you're competing against a hologram and it's new and it's very unique. It's a unique application. Ashley's company, Ventana, did an incredible job with this. Um, we felt that they were the leader in the space. They were the right ones to try it with. And in terms of the sharing element, the world we live in now, presumably that was an important part of the concept. Yeah, sharing in general in that space was an important part of the space in general. So between Rafik's artwork and the hologram and virtual reality, we also put other things in the space that were low tech. We put a a full-size model of Slimer next to the Ghostbusters machine and a 10-foot Tyrannosaurus Rex head coming through the wall next to the uh, Jurassic World slot machines. Everything we put in there is, um, again, it's meant to tell your own story. So if you want to share pictures, if you want to have these unique moments inside the link, you have a story to to tell and share. So I imagine, like all good companies nowadays, when you do things like this, data analytics are hugely important. What sort of demographic are using different elements of this space. So how are we tracking it? Yeah, well, how are we tracking it? And also, what sort of age group are you getting? Sure. So we, of course, have the tendency to fall into the trap of let's build something just for millennials or let's, how do we attract millennials, right? That was the the big million dollar question. And it's interesting, we, we reverted away from that and we reverted more to behaviors of customers that went across multiple age groups and multiple demographics. So as an example, I travel together with a group or I make plans for a group out at night and I want to have an an interesting place to go that everybody's happy or I want to have some sense of control over my space. Um, So we built all of our technology, all of our experiences to that behavioral set, but then we were very conscious to build spaces in the casino that would be attractive to millennials. the number one thing we heard from millennials, why don't we play traditional casino games, is I don't want to play someone next to someone that looks like my dad or my mom. Yeah. Um, they want their own space to play in. So um, so that's how we designed it. And you know, the technology adaptation has been great. It's, yeah, as we, as we thought would happen, we have customers from every age group that have come in to try the, try the new casino, 
by and large, they love the experience. It's so different. And of course, we're tracking all the things you, you would think we'd normally track, right? What's the return on the space? Are we making money on the space? Are people enjoying it? What's their engagement level? Um, do we have new casino customers coming in that we've never seen before that traditionally don't spend time in the casino? And have you attracted new customers? We have. Yeah, we have. Uh, there's, a, there's so many more reasons to be in that space or play in that space besides slots and tables. I think people have adapted to that and, and really enjoy it. So can you still earn your Caesars reward points that you would get gaming and spending on food and beverage on these pay-to-play experiences? So on some of them you can. Okay. Um, right now we're going through a pilot on a lot of that technology to see what works. Um, if we find that the pilot is successful, we go through a series of integrations and then we'll roll that out to all of the Caesars properties. Um, as an example, that happened with our fan cave experience in our new sports experience. So yeah, let's talk about the fan cave because yeah. it's. I wanted to touch on AR, and AR is one element of it, but it's not about AR. It's about again giving a people a chance to own their own destiny, control what they're doing. So tell us the fan cave principle. Yeah, so we really, really wanted to reinvent the sports experience. Um, we thought that the traditional sports book, if you've been in it in Las Vegas, was a was a theater style experience from twenty years ago, and there was a row of seats and you all stared up at a movie theater screen and it wasn't social at all it wasn't interactive so when we reinvented the sports experience we wanted it to be social we wanted to take the best experiences from stadiums and arenas and even watching the game at home so the first thing we did was we built these fan caves and it's 12 living room setups in the middle of the casino so you and your friends six or eight of you or just yourself if you want it's up to you but you can come in and you can take these living room setups for a game or for an afternoon you can watch six games at once you can listen to whatever audio experience you want in that space. You can play Xbox. You can watch a game in virtual reality if it's broadcast in VR. You can even play augmented reality games that pop up off of your drink coaster, including beer pong if you want to play it the non-messy way. You don't have to get beer everywhere <laughs> doing it. Uh, so, so that's how we started. And then we built around it. We wanted to make it social. We wanted to make it so that you could see any game from any angle and it would be just a great sports viewing experience. We even built, built a, uh, a wall in there called Beer Yourself, which are 26 beers on tap uh, that you can you know, run a tab on. You can try an ounce of every one, so you can experiment and see what you like. So we're really happy with the experience and we opened it last September and there's already pieces of it we're rolling out to our new sports books, uh, some of which just opened in Atlantic City. So obviously you know, you're part of this huge chain this is your incubator for new technology. Is, is there a version of life where in 5, 10, 15 years' time, if you go into a Caesars property anywhere in the world, some of the things that you experimented with here will be just how casinos, new casinos in your group will be built? I think so. I think, uh, you know, again, we're following what customers want and we're following trends. So... Um, we've seen traditionally in Las Vegas slot counts or, or you know, casino win progressively going down, non-gaming revenue going up. So we're continuing to respond to that. And again, it's about you know, how do people consume content? How do they share experiences? And you know, if you think about the casino floor of the past, 70% of the floor was a one-to-a-machine interaction. If you like playing slots, that's fantastic. There's great slot product out there. But if there's other things you want to do to game in a space, you know, by and large in casinos right now, it just doesn't exist. You know, in Las Vegas, if you wanted to do that, you know, we have all these experiences in Las Vegas, but if you wanted to go to a VR experience and I wanted to play table games, the plan would be, hey, I'll see you in six hours at dinner. You can't yeah. do it all in one spot. Today you can now with the link. Yeah. Now, 
How important is it that this is happening in Las Vegas rather than Biloxi or even Atlantic City, that this, these innovations are being tried out in what is very expensive real estate and could very easily have been used for something probably more obvious? Sure, I think it's a great question. So as, as you look around, I think the gaming jurisdictions in the, in the US and even beyond, I think one, it's it's hard if you're an individual casino to test a lot of technology and give up that kind of real estate. Like, you know, part of it about Caesars is, you know, we're looking for one or two things that are really big home runs that we can take to all of our other properties. That by far and away pays for the entire project. If you were a single property elsewhere in the US, that would be tough. I think another thing about Las Vegas is just the sheer amount of traffic that we can get and we get traffic from all over the world. So we can get insights on these games from people in the US, from people from North America, people from Asia. We have all of this visitation, so we can get a great mix of feedback on all of our, um, you know, all of our properties. So I think, you know, Las Vegas was the perfect place to do it, and I think Las Vegas has been, in general, a home for innovation in in how you think about how the properties in general have evolved over the decades, and we're just doing the latest iteration of that on gaming floor. Have you noticed any trends yet internationally in terms of visitors, you know, international visitors who is more interested in this technology yet? So not specifically on the space. I think it's early. We just opened the new experiential casino about a month ago. Um, but um, you know, we've seen visitation in the space pick up. We've seen dwell time increase. Um, I think it's a matter of time, but I think it takes some critical mass as well, right? To to really, you know, if I'm going to make a trip to, about innovation, is Las Vegas my my first choice? And you know, if there's a lot of innovation in Vegas, we get critical mass. That, that may well be the case. Yeah, actually, talking of that, what's going to happen to you during CES when Vegas is the place that people come for innovation? Are you expecting that to be a, a, a hub even more than usual? I hope everybody comes to check it out. Yeah, I think, you know, even us, we learned last year, I went to CES last year, and some of the technology, some of the little features we put in, um, like the um, cordless phone chargers that are in the device, we saw those at CES last year and implemented those. So, um, hopefully some folks that are in town from CES can learn from our space and we can keep learning from them. Fantastic. Now, let's talk about gaming because obviously we've talked about a lot of these innovations are non-gaming, but there is there are some real games in there um, and there are some innovations. So the roulette table where the number, well, the, the payout zones light up and so on. In terms of regulation, quite rightly, Vegas has moved from you know the mobster time a very long time ago, but it's very heavily regulated as it should be. Mm-hmm. Where do the regulators sit in terms of innovation in gaming? I think everybody's behind innovation. I think it's important to do it right. I think it's important to do it safely from a consumer perspective. Uh, you know, there's a great amount of work that goes into testing new product and bringing it to market, especially when it's related to gambling. Uh, I think they do a great job with that, but I think everybody you know, wants to innovate. And I think um, you know, we'll figure out how to do it. Sometimes it's it's harder to do in a regulated environment um, because there's more checks and balances, but there's a good reason for the checks and balances. Yeah. Now, if I could just sort of step away from the specifics of that space and talk about innovation in a broader sense, because it's, it's a theme we come back to a lot here, because innovation doesn't happen by, by accident. And I think it would be fair to say the larger the organization, the harder it is for innovation to really make a difference. So... As a group, Caesars Entertainment is huge, employing tens of thousands of people, huge property space. How, how does the company, in the broadest sense, think about innovation? You know, we have a whole group dedicated to innovation within, within Caesars. I think our CIO is very, um, very innovation-focused, very tech-forward. 
uh, and you know we're excited to use it. I think there's a lot of great there's a lot of great innovation out there. There's a lot of great technology, and it's really you know in our company, it's how do you pilot it, and then how do you you know roll that out to an enterprise this size, and what makes sense and what doesn't. And we'll take the casino again back to, back as an example. Like we found great stuff from our Fortune 500 partners, but we also found brand new emerging technology partners that had you know 10 employees. And we merge those two together to build to build great technology. I think that application exists in our business, and that's one of the fun parts, honestly, about this business. When you think about innovating, is how many businesses do you have the opportunity to innovate in retail, food and beverage, in pools, spas, casino, hotel rooms? Like when you're in integrated resorts like this, the innovation field is wide open. So it's really more about how do we narrow that field under what's a good business application than it is really trying to come up with new ideas. And how do you do that? Uh, there's, a, there's a whole group dedicated here to do that. Um, I think it's, it's, you know, it's measuring um, the implications of what we can do and what can have the greatest impact from year to year, right? So what can have the greatest impact um, to consumer, to um, how consumers receive it, if it's a great experience for them, you know, all the way to obviously return on investment is important. Um, but there are many more things in a given year that we could do and try than we have the, the resources to do. So a lot of times it's you know, re, refocus, reprioritize what's most important to our customers today, and then we can come back tomorrow and look at other ideas. Yeah, that's great. Now, in terms of, obviously everyone's obsessed with permission to fail in an innovation space and so on, but I don't know if the pressure is higher here because you are using up space that could very easily be just could stuff in a normal old-fashioned gaming table and make whatever the yield per square foot in Vegas is, which I imagine is quite high. So in terms of things that you've tried, where is the sort of permission to fail scale on a, on a property like Link and the things you're trying to do? So it's incredibly important when you have a project of this size, everybody has to be aligned, um, you know, that there is permission to fail. We know that you know, we started with 100 ideas, we narrowed down on a couple dozen or so that made the final list. Um, but everybody has to have a men mentality of, you know, test, revise, retest, um, and give things some time uh, to see if they work or not, especially with brand new innovation. You know, if you, again, looking at the, at the product innovation curve, if two and a half percent of customers are, are willing to innovate on day one and try something new, you have to wait for the early adopters. You have to wait for the majority adopters or you're never going to get to a successful ROI model. So uh, I think just keeping that mindset and over communicating across the organization, like, look, this is going to take time. I think that's extremely important. Um, but some of it, you know, some of it you just intuitively know you got right, right? You listen to customers as you walk by. You see some of the early reports come in on return on investment. And, you know, those are the things you get excited about. And two years of my life were dedicated to building that building. So it's it was fun to open it and see customers' reactions and, and see it come to life. I'm sure. Uh, I, without being unfair to some of the people, sorry, some of the sort of suppliers you work with, do you have any particular favorites of the innovations that are in there? Boy, that's tough. I think I think uh, we had so many partners on this project. I mean, everybody from, you know, Samsung was a great partner for uh, televisions and tablet screens and some of that uh, technology that they're working on is, is you know, a lot of the innovative companies, uh, Ashley's company, for example, Ventana, um, works with a company called uh, Vortex Immersion Media that, that helped build our integrated bar that's never been done before. Uh, Servios, you know, we worked with uh, Alienware on our eSports lounge. I mean, they're all great partners. They all have the same, you know, they all have the same passion for innovation. They all have the same passion for technology. And what's great about vendors like that or partners like that 
is they're all trying to just, we all have the same goal in mind, right? It's use innovation, use technology, let's use it in new, really cool ways that we can just wow guests with that technology, right? And, and so those partners, those are the fun partners to work with. And they're also the ones that are most flexible when you come to them and say, you know, I kind of want to do this, but I don't know how it works. And you engage them on a project. You know, they have to be, um, you know, flexible and able to adapt to an amorphous challenge like that. And, and those partners have been great in doing that because, I mean, frankly, we changed our mind a couple of times through this iteration process of we thought it should do this and we pivoted and said, no, it should do that. And you're not finished. That's not going to be left as it is for the next no. 10 years. You're going to be doing, trying new things yeah, in that, different ways. That space at the link will be really exciting. We'll be bringing in you know, new slot technology, new table technology, anything that's brand new, experiential for consumers of the casino, we'll test in that space. Um, and then we'll roll it out to, you know, to the rest of the enterprise if it's successful. So a question I always ask at the end of podcasts to the guests is, if there was one technological innovation that would allow you to do something that you've got the ideas for, but you haven't got the ability to do it because the technology's not there yet. Given that you had 100 ideas for your project and got it down to 25, I don't know how many you're going to give me here, but what's the one thing that could change in the tech space that would allow you to do something that you can't do today? That's a really tough question. Which is why it's the last one. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a really tough question. You know, I think, um, and this is just personal, off the top of my head, I think 5G is going to make all the difference in the world. If, if, if you've seen a demonstration on the difference, it's easy to say, oh, 5G is better than 4G. But if you see uh, a demonstration, how quickly 5G reacts compared to 4G, it's night and day. Yeah. So how quickly you can get to your customers, how quickly you can build an experience, how you can... You know, send them an offer, send them a video with no render, real time, boom, there's there's nothing impeding you. I think 5G is going to make a big difference. Very good. Well, look, uh, Matthew, thank you very much for your time today. Both show me around the facility and your time on the podcast today. It's a really special thing that you're doing there. And I like the fact you're basically using pretty much every version of immersive technology to change the experience. I appreciate that. Thank you for uh, staying with us and being a Caesars customer. We appreciate oh, it. I'm going to go back there now and hey, lose some more money. Your feedback is important. You tell yeah. me what you want. <laughs> I'll be funding your next project with my losses tonight. Thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to The Reality Show. If you enjoyed listening, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review. You can also find us on social media at Reality Show Pod. Thank you.